0: hello everybody welcome once again to another episode of the pace and space podcast we've got a podcast extravaganza for you once again we're doing not a two-man pod not a three-man pod not a four-man pod we are doing a five-man podcast this evening and with me as always i have my co-host leif what's going on man i'm
1: doing great how you doing today
0: i'm doing good Back by popular demand, we have our good friend, Martin. What's going on, Martin?
1: Yo, I'm good. What's up, fellas, everybody?
2: How y'all doing?
0: And we also have, back by not so much popular demand, our hated Celtic friend, Jonathan.
3: (laughs) What's going on, y'all? Good to be here again.
0: And a new voice to you guys, but a familiar voice to us is our good friend, Johan. Johan, say hi to the people in the internet.
4: Hey, everybody. Glad to be in this.
0: All right, we're glad to have you too, Johan. And we've got a lot to talk about. Hence, why we, right, we've got so many people. Uh, once, once the lottery news came out, once the All NBA NBA news came out, we were just getting flooded. Like, we gotta do a pod. We gotta talk about this. We gotta talk about that. And I said, you guys are right. Let's get on. Let's get on the mic and let's talk about it. So, first and foremost, the lottery happened this past Tuesday. There was a lot of talk about who would get the first pick. You know, it would it be the Celtics, would it be the Suns, the Lakers, the Sixers? Would the Lakers lose their pick? Would the Kings have to swap picks with the Sixers? There was a lot of things going on and we have the breakdown now. And I'm just gonna start this off. Um I'm gonna ask you guys individually. First, um, we'll start with you, Leif. What was your biggest surprise with how the lottery shook out? Well,
1: I thought for sure the Lakers are going to lose their pick. Uh, I was looking forward to the Sixers actually having two of the top four picks in the draft, but I I would say that would be my biggest surprise.
0: Yes, your Sixer fandom is coming out in that statement, Leif.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I had to keep it, trust the process a little bit.
0: All right, so Leif's keeping it 100. so That's good. So, Martin biggest surprises no surprises at all what were your takes from the from the lottery
2: i didn't really feel any surprises at all um i'm more interested to see how the next few weeks play out the lottery was what i thought it was and uh you know i enjoyed it even though uh you know it was terrible i still enjoyed it
0: <laughs> yeah we all feel a little bit of pain for you seeing boston yeah. get that number one pick uh, as a net fan but uh it's going to be all right it's just hang in there. It's going to be all good, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm drinking. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and I guess we have to ask him. So, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on the lottery That's this perfect. past Tuesday?
3: Well, of course, I'm elated. I'm very happy, and it's well-deserved. Um, So, you know, that goes without saying. Um, I, the thing I was kind of surprised about, I knew the Lakers were going to keep their pick. I actually thought they were going to win the draft, <laughs> and we would get second. But you know, hey, I'm I'm, I was kind of surprised about Phoenix though. Them falling to fourth and Philly getting the third pick, I kind of feel for the Suns because this is the second time I think in two years where they haven't they have they fallen spots in the draft, and so it kind of sucks for them. But that was the only like surprise I had.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. All right, and Johan, let's get your thoughts. What were your thoughts on the lottery? Were you surprised by anything? How did you feel about it?
4: Um. Well, I mean, I wasn't really surprised by anything, but um, I was just disappointed with the Knicks coming in eighth. I was hoping they would have at least got up a little higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a Knicks fan, but I wanted to see New York finally do some rebuilding, actual rebuilding, and not just, like, you know, picking up players from other teams. And um, I'm kind of happy about Chicago getting, uh, getting a, a good spot. I mean, it's not, like one of the top spots but at least Chicago has somewhere to go if they don't go any further with the players they have right now
0: Mm, yeah you know for any year to not be a top lottery pick this was one of the years so even in in the you know double digits in in the somewhere in the mid-teens it's not a bad place to be this year in the draft so uh you know I agree with a lot what a lot of you guys said it it did kind of stink for Phoenix to drop out of the top three also, uh, the wrath of Hinky lives on as the Kings lose the number three pick as they have to swap places with the Philadelphia 76ers. That that was kind of uh, brutal as Joel and B just nodded in delight as the whole thing transpired. That was hilarious, actually, though. And, you know, of course, I'm happy Lakers kept their pick. Um, I think there's a lot of questions now with who takes which player. Um, it seems like Fultz is a lock at number one, um, and it appears that Lonzo Ball is a lock at number two, or at least it did. Now maybe that's not the case. Jonathan Gavini at Draft Express tweeted out that the Lakers are looking to have a head-to-head workout between De'Aaron Fox and Lonzo Ball, and apparently... Magic Johnson was really uh, impressed with Fox when he went to see that UCLA-Kentucky match, and so he wants to see the, those two guys go at it again. It's very clear the Lakers want a point guard, but there may be some surprise picks here. Um, other than you know what seems to be the default selection with Fultz in number one, what team do you think might make A surprise pick Uh, we'll mix it up now we'll go with Martin who do you think is gonna make a surprise pick perhaps in the draft
2: I was thinking mostly a surprise pick I'm thinking a pick and then a trade afterwards okay I feel like there's a lot of a lot of too much of one thing in certain teams arsenal and what they draft even if you draft the best player available you still have a, a need at a certain point. So I think teams like Phoenix, Boston, I think these teams could potentially trade what they have to get something back. Mm. A lot of teams like the Lakers need cap relief. They look. They may be looking to dump salaries like Moscow. Mm-hmm. So I think on draft day itself, there's going to be a lot of commotion, to say the least.
0: Okay, I like I like the sound of that. Some some trade shenanigans on draft day, uh, John. What do you think could be a surprise pick or something that might surprise people on draft day?
3: Um, I don't really think there's gonna be too many surprises here. I mean, if you just look at the guys who can go like in a top six, um, I think for the most part with the exception of faults, and if, if, like, what you said is, you know, takes place, maybe the biggest thing might be the whole thing with the Lakers and Balls and taking Fox instead. That would be the only thing I see surprising, but I, I mean, they compared this draft to the 2003 draft, and if you had a chance to draft any of the top guys in the 2003 draft, you know, to your teams currently and have them in their, their primes, you would take it. You're not going to trade those guys. You're going to keep them You're going to build around them. So, if this draft is like that and lives up to that, I think these teams, especially the ones that are under rebuild, they got to keep these guys. They got to use them as the cornerstones for their franchises. And I don't really think we're going to see a lot of surprises within the first, you know, six or seven picks.
0: All right. Cool. I I hear what you're saying. Uh, Johan, you had any, what what do you think was going to happen with the draft?
4: I agree with Jonathan uh, in a way. Also, I feel that you know, like the Lakers, for example, they're just going to, I know, I have a feeling that they're going to pick ball and certain things are just going to be mm-hmm. as predicted. I don't feel that there's going to be much of a, a a slam like the New York Knicks did with Christoph So I think everything's just going to be pretty much straightforward.
0: All right. I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Leif, got any thoughts on it?
1: I don't anticipate too many surprises. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm curious about is where Fox ends up. I know you mentioned already the fact that the Lakers were interested in seeing him go head and head against ball. And I'm really high on Fox. So I'm curious to see if he can actually sneak and get in that top five pick. Um, I'm actually curious if he go to Sacramento, I think that'll be a ideal fit for him. But if not Sacramento, there's a chance that he can drop to the Knicks. And Hmm. I actually will find that very surprising if he drops, but I actually would like him in New York, so I don't know. i I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he ends up a little higher up. you know, I'm a little high on him, but if not, New York will be a good landing spot.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. That would be very interesting. Fox is a guy that could go probably maybe as high as two, but maybe as low as like eight, like you said. um I think some interesting picks we're gonna, are going are going to be Philly. And number three, Philly has a lot of questions right now. Um, I know people are perhaps slating uh, Jackson, Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum in there, especially since Philly has this commitment to want to try Ben Simmons at the point guard. But I think, if honestly, if they were to go perhaps get a guy like Malik Monk, who is not slated to be the third best player in this draft. But I think for them, sh- should be somebody they should really look at. He's a great scorer, a great shooter. He is a playmaker, but he can play off the ball too. You know, he's got good size. He's about 6'4", so, and he can really shoot. So I think a guy like that works both ways for them. I think if they really are committed to Ben Simmons playing point guard Malik Monk is somebody that could place alongside him off the ball as a shooter and if they realize the Ben Simmons at point guard experiment isn't going to work long term I think Malik Monk is still somebody that if you put the ball in his hands to be a creator a playmaker he can do it he just didn't get the opportunity to do it much in Kentucky since he was playing playing alongside a top prospect point guard in De'Aaron Fox so I think that Malik Monk is one of the, the guys who could rise up in this draft, I think, mm-hmm. especially to a team like Philly. And uh, another, uh, another thing I was thinking about, I heard this a lot, how people are saying that this is like an eight-player draft. Like, If you get one of those first eight guys, then you're in business, and after that is where you might start seeing some drop-off. But there's some interesting guys even after that top eight. There's some international guys. We don't know what they're going to be. So this really could be maybe even a 12 to 15 deep player draft. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think you're right. I think it could be a deep draft. Um, The international guys, you know, we always know that there's a couple of names that over the next four weeks are going to rise up, and you're going to hear a lot about them, so you can find them sneaking up. Um, As a Sixer fan, I am going to say that I don't want Monk at all. Um, I think – as a shooting guard, he's he's good, but I don't want to see him in in this on the Sixers. I'm all for Josh Jackson right now, so I want to see him over there. Provides you some length. Sure, he doesn't have a a great shot, but I think that's something that can come, and his upside is something that I think he could end up being the best player in this draft. So, Josh Jackson for me and in Philly. But as you said before, it's a very deep draft. Even if you are picking ninth, tenth. I still, you're going to end up with a, a valuable player.
0: Yeah. And, uh, there's even a couple of guys later on in the, in the mock drafts and the rankings who used to be perhaps higher up bef- because of one thing or an- another got in the way. Um, I know, uh, I know Martin, you were talking about one of those guys too. Uh, why don't you talk to the people who you think is going to be somebody that is going to fall later on, but could be a top player in this. draft?
2: Yeah, there's, uh, yellow he's a queens product he signed with kentucky but he never played he opted to just work with the team so he could have a year of experience and of course Kyle Perry's all for that um he was projected before the lottery to be like a top 20 pick but he's worked out mm-hmm. with teams like boston New York, um philly and i forgot the other team off the top of my head i think it's houston Mm-hmm. But he's off the charts athleticism. He's got legit height, six. six. Um, he, he attacks the lane. So he's a good, he's a good uh, solid pick for, for a college kid who actually never played a college game. Um, Henry Giles has question marks. He could be the next Brandon Roy. He's already had three surgeries on one knee. And before the season, he was projected as a number one pick overall. Right. but his production dropped off because of injuries, and I think he averaged about four minutes this season. He had a couple of flashes of brilliance, but nothing major. Um, the last guy I know of, uh, I'm going to butcher his name because I'm not Latvian. I think it's Angis Uh He's 19. He's from the same Latvian village team as uh, Christoph Przingis, a legit seven-three guy. He has a lot of the same skills as Porzingis but he's uh, ultimately a bit raw. But the advantage a lot of these Euros have is against everybody's the same age but in Euro, you're, you're facing a lot of older guys. Mm-hmm. You may be facing certain players who have NBA experience. So that helps them a bit as well. So I think, I think even past 10 you have a good chance at picking at least a solid rotation player. Maybe even a star. Sometimes you get a star past 20. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get a star with the last pick overall. So you never know.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that was the case with Isaiah Thomas, right? Last pick overall. Now look at him. He's a superstar in the league. But there are a lot of uh, guys. Harry Giles is very interesting. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with this CBS writer, Gary Parish. And he was talking about how in high school, you know, we're talking about faults. We're talking about ball. talking about josh jackson who's the best player in this draft he said in high school it was harry giles full stop and all these guys were talking about they were fighting for who was second best and of course he went through a litany of knee injuries so it remains to be seen if he can be the player he was before he came to college but um a lot of people said that in high school like scouts coaches like that this guy was like another chris weber so that's an interesting guy we'll have to see if he's gonna be able to find his form again the combine didn't seem too good when it's they were talking about his his measurables um but he's a guy that if he is just healthy enough to stay on the court he has the talent and a team can pick him up at end of first round beginning of second round and if he's able to get on the court, you might have another star right there. It's a very deep draft. Um, what do you guys think, though, about this? About, I, I want to bring it back to the Lakers for a little bit. Because, uh, obviously, all the talk has been Lonzo Ball going to the Lakers. Magic's been seen at the UCLA games. Lavar Ball is not letting L- Lonzo go to the combine. He's not letting him try out for other teams. It's just Lakers... Or bust. Do you guys think that it's a hundred percent lock that Lonzo Ball gets taken by the Lakers? Uh, John, I'll, I'll go to you first.
3: Um, up until today, yeah, I thought it was a hundred percent lock. It just seemed like the you know the perfect fit. But um, the reality being is that maybe part of the reason why uh a lot of people feel that way is be due to the fact that. You know, LaVar Ball has been speaking it into existence and, you know, so pretty much persuading us. Maybe, you know, Lonzo is not necessarily the best option for the Lakers and I feel like Magic is going to do his due diligence. He's going to value the person that's going to fight and that's going to impress him the most. And so, um, I do think it's possible that the Lakers, you know, elect to go a different direction and, you know, suppose something crazy happens, suppose. For whatever reason, the Celtics don't take Ball or, or um, Fultz at the number one. Suppose they take Jackson. That mm-hmm. could change things as well. Then the Lakers could consider, you know, going with Fultz over Ball. So I don't think it's necessarily a lot. You know, even if Ball is the, you know, if Fultz is gone and it's Ball and everybody else, I would say if I had to put a percentage, I would say right now it's like a 75 to 25 chance. In Lonzo's favor, but that twenty-five could, you know, could balloon.
0: Yeah, uh, I I hear you on that, um, Johan. You, what do you thought? What are your thoughts on that?
4: Um, I believe he's gonna go to the Lakers. I mean, that's what his father's been pressing this whole time. Yeah. Um, as you said, you know, if that's all he's been working out with, then that's all the Lakers really see. So that I believe that's where he's going. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much
0: my thought on that. Yeah, I I think so too. I I do think that Magic likes what he sees with Lonzo Ball, but maybe he still has a couple of questions he wants answered. When you talk about fit style of playmaking, I think he's the type of point guard the Lakers would be looking for. He can he can add that that showtime element back of the team with the way he play the way he passes the way he makes plays in transition and with his size and his rebounding ability there's a lot of Jason Kidd comparisons there you know all those things seem like exactly what the Lakers will be looking for I think this the Aaron Fox head-to-head matchup thing is perhaps maybe just to get one last look at how he does he deals against players with elite athleticism because that is a knock on Lonzo Ball while he's a pretty athletic guy he's got great size for a point guard he's not super athletic like Markel Fultz like De'Aaron Fox like he's not a guy that's gonna blow by you and like dunk on two guys in traffic he doesn't have that so maybe they just want to see him rise to the occasion I guess perhaps one more time before they draft him uh what do you think Leif?
1: Yeah, that's a fair. I honestly didn't was surprised that they even would entertain such an idea. I thought for sure ball was going to LA, but I like it. I like the idea. I know magic is looking for someone who he can actually work with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are a few question marks around ball. So Mm -hmm. if you're going to pull in Fox, if you're going to just see whether or not these guys can actually be a better player for your team, then by all means, but I mean who knows. Um Ball, he has what you would think, you know, he's he's a tall point guard, He's big for his size, has good court vision, good ball handling, but of course he still has some questions. But you know, let's see what happens. Uh I'm still confident that Magic is going to pick Ball at the number 2.
0: Yeah, that's that's that is still the the safe money to to project that. Um but you know, uh let's let's shift over And get back into the playoffs Um, We're recording this on a Thursday And it happens to work really good for us Because there's no games today But I think also the fact that we're talking so much About the lottery Also is kind of Giving us a clue of how exciting the playoffs are at this moment We know like the first round Very exciting Second round That intensity was still kind of there But now we're down to the final four teams And I think we're losing some steam here. What, what do you guys think? Uh, Martin, you think we're losing some steam here in the playoffs?
2: I do, but I don't. I think it's because we've gotten to the finals, and it seems to be, you know, so far, it, it seems to be blowouts on both sides. We haven't had hmm. Game 2 in Eastern Conference yet, and I think the Celtics could make it competitive. But it just feels like, you know, we like basketball. We don't want to watch a blowout all the time. Nah. We want to see, like, you know, competition. We want to see people go blow for blow. You know, I'll take your best punch. Here's mine. And I think we've, we've missed that in a lot of these series so far. I think the best series was the uh, Wizards Celtics
0: Yeah, it was for great. the most
2: part. That was one of the better series.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, but let's, go, let's, let's stick with the West for a minute. And, and I got a question for you guys. And here's the question. Did Zaza Pachulia ruin the Western Conference? Leif, let's start with you.
1: Well, I agree that that was a dirty play. I know they spoke about it a lot. Um, I wouldn't go as far as say that he ruined the Western Conference. I think the lackluster play of the Spurs in game two and losing that big lead in game one kind of messed it up. Mm. Where is LaMarcus Aldridge? that's my question. And he looked like a deer in headlights, especially in that second game. So while Zaza definitely messed it up, you know, by messed up there, the game one by sticking his foot out. I think that that was was not an excuse for the way the Spurs played in game two.
0: Fair, fair. John, what do you think?
3: Uh, I'm going to say, yeah, I think Zaza completely ruined the Western conference finals. I mean, we were around the clock back a year. We were treated to one of the greatest Western Conference Finals I think we've ever seen Mm -hmm. when, you know, the Warriors and OKC at the time were duking it out. This could have been that, you know, or even something better than that. I mean, I did not expect the Spurs to come out the way they played in game one, and they were handling business on the court, you know, up you know, 20-plus points. And the moment that uh, Kawhi goes down, all of a sudden, Golden State goes on an 18-0 run. The lead disappears, you know, it it was still a close game in the last seconds, but you know, there was, it doesn't get that close if Kawhi stays in the game. There's nothing that you can convince me of that the the Spurs lose that game if Kawhi stays. And then after that, Pop goes on, you know, expressing how he felt about the play. And I, I felt like he had some points. I don't feel like the play was intentional, but you know, it definitely, you know, completely changed and to me ruined the series. And after all the stuff that he put out there about the Spurs needing Kawhi and, you know, essentially saying they can't win without Kawhi, I feel like the Spurs believe that too. Like, Mm. in game two, they came out there and, you know, they knew they just could not compete. You're staring down four future Hall of Famers and your best guy, the guy who single-handedly I feel they have no answer for on the other side, can't play with you. And so while I don't think the series is over yet, I feel like the Spurs can still win two at home. Because you know, with a with a healthy Kawhi, I should say, if he's if he can play, then I feel like they can you know come back and win two at home. Um, I feel like he that play and
4: uh, Zaza definitely ruined a, the conference finals for me.
0: Yeah, yo Johan, uh, what do you think about that?
4: Um, the Western Conference definitely is ruined. I don't think Zaza did it on purpose. He's just a big klutz defensively. <laughs> I mean, you know, on a closeout, you don't know. You know, you're not being aware of, you know, the person in front of you. But um, yeah, the Spurs definitely needed Kawhi. Kawhi is their main scorer. I mean, look what happened in Game One when they had Kawhi. Even if I mean, Golden State came back from a 25 deficit. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine playing without Kawhi now? You know. So yeah, they're done. I, I believe. They're not going to win. I don't, I don't think they're going to win a game. Even if Kawhi comes back, Kawhi's not going to be 100%. And Golden State has their their minds at this point. Even with a great coach like a great mind of Greg great Popovich, I don't think they can pull themselves from this. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is not even performing. Where is he? You know, he's completely absent. So yeah. I believe this is it for – we know Golden State's going at this point.
0: Right. Hey, Martin, it's up, it's up to you now.
2: Yeah, um – uh, the best part of this is we don't have to worry about Jaja anymore. His foot, you know, has, has paid the price for his sins. Um, I always felt like LaMarcus wasn't the best fit for the Spurs for the most part because he's he's a very ball-dominant big man. And the Spurs, you know, they don't seem to feature him like Portland did. I think the best thing that can happen for the Spurs right now is the the younger players they have, if they – And if they get Golden State out of their heads, like, uh, what's that young point guard's name? Um,
0: DeJounte Murray. Thank
2: you. Um, Jonathan Simmons, if these guys play the basketball they're capable of playing, then they have a puncher's chance. I agree with Johan in that even if Kawhi comes back, how healthy could he be? Mm -hmm. And Kawhi's game relies a lot on slashing, moving, laterally, jumping defensively and offensively and uh, even if the the ankle sprain showed no structural damage he still hurt so maybe a game maybe one or two but i don't know it doesn't look good
0: for san antonio yeah i agree with you guys i was somebody that felt like san antonio could beat golden state coming into this series and I think they they showed how they can surprise a lot of people with how they came out those first three quarters. Um, losing Kawhi was a gut punch. I do believe Golden State would have went on some type of run to try and make the game close or respectable, but I don't see San Antonio losing that game with a healthy Kawhi. That was like the first game a Popovich coached team ever blew that where they had a 25 point lead or greater so i don't think it's a coincidence that the first time popovich blows a lead like that he lost his best player and then game two i think you guys are right i think you hit it on the head i think the spurs they got deflated uh you know maybe they felt like that was one hurdle too many for them losing Kawhi again and tony parker's out and they don't know what they're going to get from anybody so maybe that was just one one injury too many for them and they just kind of felt dejected and Golden State pounced now we have this layoff i think it's they're going to have like a whole 3 games or so 3 days before they play game 3 maybe that's enough time for Kawhi to, to come back uh, i don't know me personally i think the Zaza play was dirty I know that that play can easily be a bang-bang play, an accidental play. But at the same time, like, the guy didn't even jump. Like, he just kept inching and walking into Kawhi's space. and, And then Kawhi landed on his foot. Regardless, I think that play has to be eliminated. I don't think that it's appropriate for defenders to just go all the way into a shooter's landing space. It's not necessary to contest a shot. I don't think it even like helps you're just trying to shove your hand in the person's face basically and that's what causes a lot of these plays and this is also a play that dirty players do i mean me and martin were going back and forth when it happened and we were talking about bruce bowen that's something bruce bowen did on a consistent basis he would keep moving into the player's path until. They landed on his foot and sprint and twisted their ankle. He did it to Vince Carter a bunch of times. He did it to Kobe a bunch of times. This is something that he would do consistently. And he would do the same thing where he would look at the rim like he didn't know where the, where the shooter was. Like, well, ooh, me, no, I didn't do anything. The same thing Zaza did. So I think it was a bit dirty. But having said that, whether it's dirty or not, I don't think this is something they should the league should allow defenders to do. Because there's no need for it. It it doesn't it's not imp- necessary for a, a defender to do that to defend the shot, and at the end of the day, it it causes very preventable preventable injuries, and that's and that's my personal take on that one. I don't know if you guys disagree with me. If you do, let me know.
4: It's interesting that you said that, Calvin, because what team did Bruce Bowen play for? The Spurs. <laughs> and no wonder why Popovich is making that uh, allegation about um, Zaza Pachulia. Do
0: mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. yeah,
4: that's a good point you made.
0: It's very interesting I, you said that, too, because um, the Warriors are also a team that complained that players were doing that to Steph Curry, especially when he came back from his ankle surgery, and they said that they were doing that to get in his head, mess with him, not feel like he can land properly, and maybe even try to get him to land on their feet and re-injure that ankle. So the Warriors know about it, too.
3: Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I mean... I think Chris Webber said this, um, you know, regarding that. Like, how many times do you see these three-point shots blocked? So if you're a defender and you're jumping at, you know, a three-point shooter, first of all, nine times out of ten, you're going to make contact. And, it could, you know, you're going to put them on a the line, if not create a four-point play, if you bump into a marksman like Curry or someone who could knock it down like Kawhi. The smart basketball play, and I think the way the, the league has to address it is, on a closeout, if you're closing out real hard, you got to jump to the side. And what I will also help address, too, is now the offensive player can't do this jump to the left or right in order to, you know, get the contact.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, yeah. if I'm closing out on your side, you can't jump, you know, laterally in order to create the contact because I'm now you're putting both of us in, you know, at, at risk. And this will kill two birds with one stone.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, just jump, just jump straight up. Just jump straight up and contest. I mean, and the part, the thing with Petrulia, he didn't even jump. He just put his hand up and he kept, he kept, um, you know, moving forward in, in, into Kawhi's uh, area. So you can't even say like his body was out of control on that one because he didn't even jump. Petrulia never jumps to block a shot, and it's not the first time he would have done something dirty. But you know, that's just my personal opinion. So the West is kind of sad because. Spurs look like they they had at least the formula and some of the pieces necessary to make this a good fight, and now without Kawhi, it looks like it could even be a sweep. So we'll see if Kawhi comes back and and what what the Spurs can do. Now in the East, Cleveland they had they had game one in Boston against the Celtics. Celtics were just coming off a grueling seven game series with the Wizards. The Cavs were very fresh, very rested, and you know, they basically, they basically put the smackdown on the Celtics in game one. And this is another game where the Cavs didn't have to work too hard. So, I have a question for you. Is the East scared of LeBron? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm ask Martin first. Is the East scared of LeBron?
2: Ugh, that's tough. Um, I don't think, well... I don't think the Celtics are scared of LeBron. I think that they were a little punch drunk, but I don't think they're scared of LeBron because if you watched towards the the end of the game when they tried to make the little mini run, Mm -hmm. they got a little bit of a swagger in them. Right. The Raptors are scared of LeBron? Yes. Yes, I think they are, definitely. Do I think teams like the Hawks... uh, are scared of LeBron? Sure. I don't think the Wizards, if they were playing, would be scared of LeBron either. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's kind of overwhelming at a certain point for any team. If you you know you come in, you think you've got a good shot, and then you turn around and 12 minutes later, you're you're looking at a 35 to 19 score. Yeah. And then at the half, you're looking at a 67 to 31 score. So you you kind of like you get a little frazzled. Um, but I don't think the Celtics are scared of LeBron per se, they just, you know, got a little out of their element and it was, it was, you know, just tough to watch for them.
0: Yeah, I agree. For the record, I don't think the Celtics are scared either, but I wanted to ask that question. Um, but Leif, I want to hear your thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I agree with Martin. I don't think there's, I don't think they're afraid. I just think that they don't have an answer. He's just that good Brad Stevens even admitted it It seems like he's getting better And each team now is trying to find a way To stop him And with each year They can't and then they go back Into like a revamp mode So I wouldn't say it's being afraid He makes it 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 comes off as that they look afraid But even when we watched Boston yesterday They look tough But even with their toughness they had no answer. They couldn't stop him from driving. They couldn't stop him from getting the ball out. He just dominated them. So, yeah, I wouldn't use the word afraid. I, I just think that they're probably more clueless or in search for answers.
0: Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I'm gonna go with John. I'm gonna save Johan for last because I know Johan's gonna give me something really good about LeBron. So, but I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to John first.
3: Um, Yeah, I I agree with Leif and Martin and you, Kyle. I I don't think that, um, I don't, maybe not not scared as much as some teams are really like just intimidated. Um, I do agree with Martin. I do think that LeBron is in the Raptors' heads and I think they're just intimidated. I just think it's one of those situations where they're not going to be able to get over the hump of LeBron, no matter, with that currently constructed team. Um, I, I think the Wizards would have came out fighting just like the Celtics did. And I think they would have been as exhausted, if not more exhausted, having to fly from Boston to Cleveland with one day in between and and then play the Cavs in Cleveland. Yeah. You know, the, after a grueling seven-game series. I think they would have been exhausted. and that You know, um, so I, I think that kind of impacted game one. But as far as being scared, no. I think they would have did everything they could and just – you know, like I've said, you know, it's you get overwhelmed. And the thing with Cleveland is you come into the game with a game plan and you make a mistake and they punish you for it. And so then you tr- you might get flustered and, you know, try to shoot yourself back in the game or, you know, try to comp- overcompensate and they punish you again. And before you know it, you're in a double-digit deficit early in the game and you're already fighting from behind, you know. And so it, they they are – playing like something like something I've never seen before and I really think like between Golden State and Cleveland where well, especially with Cleveland mm-hmm. like LeBron mm-hmm. is like you know what I'm going to do something that I don't think anybody else has done I'm going to go to the finals you know undefeated you know and then try to sweep the warriors <laughs> like I think that's really what he's thinking like he's on a mission he's playing like it um but I don't think anybody's scared I just think there's they don't have any a- any answer for him
0: yeah, I hear you. Um, I don't, like we said, I don't think uh, the Celtics are intimidated or anything like that. The Wizards probably wouldn't have been intimidated. Some teams perhaps are. Um, we know Paul George wasn't intimidated, but maybe the rest of that team was. Uh, but I I do know one thing that is a fact right now. LeBron is not concerned about anybody he's facing in the East right now. A- and that in itself is a problem. He, he's very, you know, for lack of a better word and trying not to have a pun, but he's very cavalier in these playoffs. You know, he's playing, when they're play in the Raptors, you know, he's spinning the ball like he's taking a free throw a few times in front of Ibaka before he hits a three. Yesterday, um, he gets a switch with Kelly Olenek guarding him, and he just turns his back to Kelly Olenek and starts dribbling between his legs like it, like it doesn't even matter. Then he goes straight up for a layup. So he he's clearly not worried about anybody he's playing in the East right now. And I think that in itself is a problem for the Eastern Conference, even if most of these teams are not intimidated. But but Johan, I gotta go to you now. Hit me with it.
4: Calvin, you put a lot of pressure on me by doing that. <laughs> Good. But um what what you had to say I believe before you um started again, um about LeBron seeing this too often is is exact LeBron is not seeing anything new so if you don't see anything new you know what to expect so you look great greater than what you really are and so it's just too easy for LeBron because he's done this already Mm -hmm. and um I think that teams aren't as much really scared of LeBron as much as they're afraid of the refs afraid of what the refs allow them to do and I feel they let the refs get in their head more than LeBron so they don't really play their game because of that Uh, I believe like in a patient series um I don't think Paul George's mind was in the game as much. I don't. I don't believe because I don't think he liked what this team he had. Um, Toronto, I think they were psyched out because of losing Lowry. So I don't. I don't believe they they were into it. I believe a, a team like Washington would have went hard. John Wall don't back down from nothing. No. And um, his team would have followed suit. Boston. Um, I don't know what Boston's doing. I think, you know, I mean, they're just. I think they're all just in awe with LeBron at this point. But um, as I said before, teams need to change up their defensive schemes when going at LeBron. And, um, yeah, the, the East is too easy for, for LeBron. He's seen this over and over. I mean, it's seven years now that he's been he's doing this, and no one's really done anything to really compete with him. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, this, this looks like it's going to be his seventh straight finals appearance. Uh, which is crazy in itself. Um, he hasn't had the same dominance per se over the West. You know, he lost to Dallas, lost to San Antonio, lost to Golden State. So he he's at best fifty percent against the West in these in these past in his past run that he's had. But it, it's uh it's very interesting. You know, to say to to say the least, um, how like you guys said, same thing every year, and. and that's why they that's why he carries himself the way he does he he knows all right this this is who i have to face this team they only got one star this team doesn't play any defense this team can't shoot so it's like they already know what they need to do for each team in each round of the playoffs and they play according to that they they knew that toronto had a great offense but their best players didn't shoot any threes so if their best players shoot threes, it's a numbers game that Toronto was never gonna keep up with. And and you know, they, they have they have answers for Boston too. They know that, all right, well, all Boston has down low is Horford, so we can put Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love in the game. LeBron can go in and get the rebounds when he needs to and and they know they can just kill him on the glass. So they have answers for all of these teams and we'll we'll have to see who can maybe next year or the year after build something different that can compete with these guys but right now you know i'm disappointed because i came into the playoffs thinking especially the way the Cavs played the the whole like second half of the season yeah you could say they were coasting but i think they had like real issues especially on defense they had real defensive issues and none of these teams could exploit it in the playoffs i I don't think that cleveland's had like hit this second gear in the playoffs on defense, I think they've just put up points, and the other teams have just kind of felt deflated with how good Cleveland's offense is, that they haven't understood that they need to make them work on the other end of the court. And and I think that's kind of like the main problem with a lot of these teams in the East. What do you think? Leif, I'm sorry. What what do you think, Leif?
1: Yeah, I think that's a key part of the problem but I still stick with what I said. I, I just think right now LeBron's is in a zone right now and the East has problems. The East is definitely the weaker conference between the between with the, with the Western Conference and it's a whole different style. But when you're watching it, you clearly see it. It is a different product and that could be part of the problem that we're seeing now or why the Cavs are dominating and making it look so easy. So. I mean, I'm hoping that the Celtics could at least give them some trouble, but it's not looking like that. So I'm curious, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna be like everyone else. I'm gonna watch, um, we're gonna hopefully they compete, but I mean, it is where it is right now. And it seems that we're definitely going to an NBA Finals where we're gonna see the Cavs and the Warriors.
0: Yeah, agreed, it's definitely looking like that and maybe see the Cavs and Warriors face each other in the finals, both undefeated, which I think would be crazy. Yeah. Can
3: I, I just, my, The only thing I have to say is regarding like the difference in the conferences is I, I don't know if it's a difference in the conference as much as it's these two teams, how like heavily stacked they are. Because if I go ahead and I think about this Cavs team against Utah, Utah gets swept. If I think about this Cavs team against the Rockets, I don't think, especially with Mr. Non-Clutch, James Harden, I don't think the Rockets win a game either, to be honest with you. I definitely don't think OKC or I think it was the Blazers win a game. Mm. So, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know if it's so much the conference at this point, because those are not bad teams by any stretch. But when you look at the, uh, the Cavs and you look at Golden State, they're just in a different league than everybody else. It's almost like they should have their own league, the two of them, because they're so heavily stacked and it's just a different level than anybody else. And it doesn't mean don't compete, but in the course of a seven game series, they have a lot that they're going to be able to throw at you that, you know, and they have the best players in the world on their teams.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point, John. I, I think in general, both of these teams are just at another level, like you said. I do think San Antonio was is at that level too if Kawhi's healthy. Um, You know they've been what they had like sixty six wins last year. The year before that, they they had a strong team. This year they had like sixty plus wins with pretty much just Kawhi Leonard and Patty Mills, Jonathan Simmons, and whatever Gasol and LaMarcus Aldridge were giving you. And uh, so I do think that that team is you know. Not at their level, but right below them. Um, I I get what you're saying. Most of those teams get swept by the Cavs, although I think the Rockets and the Jazz, they would have did better than getting swept, personally. Um, But you got a good point. The Warriors and the Cavs, they're just at another level, and that's why they're probably going to face each other for the third year in a row in the finals.
1: Yeah, just to come back at that point just real quickly, I just... I also will say that during a regular season, I believe the Cavs had the same record as Utah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and to me, that just shows the the strength of the the conference. And the the Cavs had their struggles, but I mean, they clicked the switch and they're going right now. And this in the playoffs, it's all about adjustments. And what we're seeing is that these teams that they're going against aren't making those adjustments. We saw it a little bit with Indiana. We definitely didn't see anything. With Toronto, they didn't even show up, and so now we're going to see what the Celtics do. But it's a game of adjustments, and I do think the Rockets would have given them some trouble in the in the West if um, the Cavs had to play them. Um, probably not Utah. I think you, I think the Cavs could have easily handled Utah, but you know maybe it's not a matter of. Maybe to the eye test, it's not one conference or the Cavs definitely not able to play inside the Western Conference. I just think that when you compare the other teams compared to the Western Conference, you can definitely see that they seem stronger as a team, as a unit, than what you see in the East. Now, you can call it whether it's style, whether how the teams are built. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. You know, we can talk forever about that, but... It just, it's just what it seems like when you really look at the teams, especially mm-hmm. during the regular season. And even during these playoffs, you definitely see that it's a little different.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, but I think that's all we can really say about the playoffs now. I mean, Warriors look in good position to advance. Cavs looking good position to advance. Now we have to see who wins the, the rubber match between those two teams. You um, but before we go tonight, um, there's one other thing that just came out today, and that is the all MBA first, second, and third teams were announced. And I'm just gonna write. I'm gonna just name off, out the list to you guys, and then we're gonna talk. We're going to go around, and I'll ask who are your biggest surprises on here, and who were your biggest snubs that didn't make the list that you felt should. So I'll start with the first team. The, worst, the first team is Westbrook and Harden at the guards, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James at the forwards, Anthony Davis at center. The second team is Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry at the guards, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo at the forwards, Rudy Gobert at center. And then the third team is John Wall, DeMar DeRozan, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, and DeAndre Jordan. So, uh, we'll start off with, uh, we'll go with, uh, surprises. Uh, Martin, who was your biggest surprise on this list?
2: Biggest surprise, but I, I wouldn't say it's a snub at the same time is Clay Thompson. Mm. I, I was shocked that, you know, he's kind of like the, the third man, fourth man on Golden State. You would expect that he would have gotten some recognition, but it was, it was, uh, a surprise to me that he didn't get any kind of votes where he would at least make the third team, But I don't think it's a snub at the same time because I think he gets a little bit overhyped because he's on the Warriors.
0: Right. that, that, that is Both of those points are, are fair. Um, so, Clay. Uh, Johan, any biggest surprises, biggest snubs? Uh
4: surprised that DeAndre Jordan. Mm. That's one. Um I don't really see, you know, much from DeAndre Jordan. I, I was expecting someone else there. I mean I see Anthony Davis, but I was expecting someone like Demarcus Cousins or something like that. But um yeah that's about it to me. Um I mean everybody else here looks fine to me. I, I can't really argue with that. But, um, yeah, DeAndre Jordan stuck out to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I hear you on that. Um, John, biggest surprise, biggest snubs.
4: Uh, the, I just have one
3: real surprise to me is Gordon Hayward not making mm. the, the list and Jimmy Butler making it over him. The, okay. No knock on Jimmy. He's an amazing talent. And, you know, you can argue maybe a top 15, top 10 player, depending on whatever you want to argue. But, I mean, Gordon Hayward did his thing this season. Yeah. He got his team to the second round of the playoffs. Utah really advanced. They, like, they really like had take, t- taken another step, in my opinion, led by him. And um, I felt like he deserved to at least meet the third team. So that was the the only surprise that I saw um, for me personally.
0: Yeah, fair one, fair one. Leif, what you got for me, man?
1: So... I felt Draymond should not have been on the third team. I know he was trying to make a case for Clay. Um, I don't even think Clay deserved to be there. Um, Gordon Hayward to me was the big snub. Uh, I thought for sure he was going to get it. Um, I also thought about Paul George. You know, Mm -hmm. I thought maybe he could have gotten a spot. And 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 I agree with DeAndre Jordan. I, I thought that was a a little surprising. Um I thought about Marcus Ol a little bit. Mm. Um he had a good season and he's a very he's an underrated center and I thought that they would have given him a nod but you know fortunately didn't. But I mean Deandre Jordan, I mean I don't have a huge problem. I'm just surprised. I mean to me he was on a fringe. I I would have given
0: it to Marcus Ol ahead of Deandre Jordan. Yeah, all fair points. So, I Is it my turn? I guess, right? Everybody got a turn, right? Mm -hmm. So, I'm surprised nobody else said this. My biggest surprise on this list is DeMar DeRozan. What the heck is DeMar DeRozan doing on the All-NBA team? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I don't think he was that. He was All-NBA caliber this year. He came out gangbusters in, in November and December, but he cooled off a bit. He wasn't still performing at that level in the second half of the season. We saw what he did in the playoffs, which was, which was nothing, and there were some real guys that got snubbed over this. Like Damian Lillard, am I really gonna say DeMar DeRozan played better than Damian Lillard this season? I, I, I no, no way. I, I disagree with that, like a hundred percent. Gordon Hayward got played. I agree with all you guys. Paul George, that's a tough omission. Mark Gasol, he he probably should have been on there. Um, but you know, DeAndre Jordan didn't. It wasn't like DeAndre Jordan played terrible. He had a he had a DeAndre Jordan season. The only thing I think changed was that other centers played better this year, pretty much. But yeah, I don't understand what DeMar DeRozan's doing on this All NBA team. Am I the only one here?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, DeMar DeRozan balled out. I mean, I it, I thought he was not gonna have the season he had. Especially after getting the contract, normally you see this happen before guys get the contract in their contract year. He boiled out like he was like, "Thanks for paying me. I'm gonna pay you back." With the exception of the playoffs, <laughs> I wanna <laughs> pay you back. And, uh, you know, maybe he, you know, he tapped that, you know, that fun by the time they reach the postseason. But you know, I, mm, I, I, he not, I, he can't shoot threes. He can't shoot threes, but. Look, yeah. but with that said, though, didn't he like break some records or match some records for like most points scored with
0: only two point baskets? He did. That's
3: gotta get you something, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: he had like the highest points per game in like twenty years with the fewest amount of three pointers made.
3: There you go. That's old school.
0: Yeah. Okay, but <laughs> at the same time, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my 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 pulpit here for for Dame Lillard. Like Dame Lillard. Demar Derozan, same points per game. You look at Lillard, six assists a game, five rebounds a game. He beats Derozan in both those categories. You look at the you look at the second half of the season. The Blazers were by like overall team rating and like win loss record the like second or third best team in the entire league, behind Golden State and like Miami of all teams. But, but Portland was was right there too. Um, for the entire second half of the season and a lot of that was because of the way Damian Lillard played. He stepped up he played the way he's supposed to he played like the best player on his team he played like an all-star, like a superstar and I would have put him over DeMar DeRozan I actually wouldn't have had a hard time doing it Um, you could have even put Paul George as, as a guard or put Jimmy Butler as a guard and put Paul George as small forward put Jimmy Butler as a guard and put Hayward in a small forward; I, those would have all been better options to me. I I don't I don't think Toronto really needed necessarily to be represented, and it's not like DeRozan really carried that team when when Lowry was injured either. The team sputtered and spiraled a bit um, when Lowry was out. They were they were the top they were in the top two. I think they had they were in co- contention for the one seed. And then when Larry went down, they went all the way to like a fifth or sixth teed and, and had to work their way back up. And DeRozan was still there the whole time. So I that's my only thing with it. I, I think Lillard had a much better season and overall is a, a better player and a more significant superstar. And so I would have put him in over DeRozan.
1: Well, let me ask you this. I just thought about this. Would you have put Carl Anthony Towns in there?
0: I, had, I thought long and hard about Carl Anthony Towns, too. He had an amazing season. Um, but, you know, if you're going to give it to guys that have, like, winning teams over over him, I'm not going to knock it. It's only his second year in the league, too. So I kind of understood not putting him in. And you still had guys like, you know, like Johan said, Cousins, Marcus who were also, you know, deserving with, with their numbers this year, too. Would you have put Carl Anthony Towns life?
1: I'm thinking about it. I'm like I'm on the fence with it. You know, I hear your point that you made, but, you know, I'm thinking about it. I think Carl Anthony Towns, you know, would have made a would have been good on the third team. But, you know, I understand the point that you want to give it to probably people who have done more, who contributed to their team success. And so the fact that he didn't make it, I wouldn't call it a snub, but you know, I would have liked to have seen him on there.
0: Yeah, and, and one thing we got to talk about with some of these guys who didn't make the list is um, how it impacts their potential contracts. Um, so two guys that, that, that we, we can talk about immediately is Paul George and Gordon Hayward. Um, John, this is kind of crazy, right? It opens up a lot of things for both these players and other teams in the league.
3: Oh, it's it's definitely crazy as a matter of fact, I saw uh, a rumor actually reported this evening That you know after the all NBA team ca- list came out since Paul George didn't make it He's not eligible for the designated player extension, right. which is the five-year 217 million dollar contract It would have been the biggest contract, you know available to anybody But he that would have been a big incentive to stay with Indiana now that he can't get that um A rumor circulated actually that this weekend he's supposed to make clear uh, which direction he wants to go Hmm. and so you know we don't know if that's a hundred percent certain but it seems that's what some reports were indicating that he's gonna let you know the organization know what he wants to do and that would determine you know what Indiana does obviously if he doesn't want to stay around they got to start fielding office for him and then it was something else that I didn't even know about apparently um, Paul Pierce he, he had tweeted how he felt that Or he had reported that he felt like the Celtics Should trade the number one pick And Bleacher Report tweeted it And then Paul Pierce liked and retweeted The tweet He didn't say anything <laughs> And then shortly after the tweet The retweet was deleted mm. And so <laughs> It could be another Chris Stops for oh my Twitter account was right, right Situation <laughs>
0: But you heard what Draymond said about that,
3: right? You, you ne- know, or, you never
0: really get hacked when you say you get hacked.
3: <laughs> you know, or it could mean nothing at all, but it definitely not making a team for him and Hayward, who you know ha- has some choices now to make himself. It definitely impacts what they're gonna do, and if I'm Paul George, you know, like you may not want to spend a, a a pointless year with Indiana. Obviously, Indiana. If they're gonna get any value for, for Paul George, they gotta trade him during the summer. You know, so he might be looking out for them, and so that they can get something, and he can go where he wants to go, and not waste a, another year in his prime. And you know, similarly for Gordon Hayward, he's gonna to have to make a decision too because he's not gonna be, be able to get that extension. Um, Utah doesn't have a lot of options. They got a lot of guys coming off their books, or a lot of guys who are free agents, rather. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they can resign all of them. And, um, you know, the Celtics are going to press them hard. They want them.
0: Yeah, so those are, those are two big names, especially this really stinks for, for Hayward. He's about to hit free agency, and now he knows he's not going to get that designated player or supermax that is being called. So, uh, you know, I don't think that was his only reason for staying in Utah if he was going to stay, but it was definitely a big reason and now with Paul George that seems to have been that would have been probably the only reason he would have stayed in Indiana and that opens the door for a lot of questions i mean i know a lot of people are you know wondering if the lakers are just going to trade for him now instead of wait me personally i would say just wait cuz because then you keep all of those young players and you get to sign paul george in next summer and if you have, and if some of those young guys don't fit, you could trade them for a different star to put next to Paul George. I think that makes much more sense in terms of building a winner than trading pieces for a guy who was going to come to you anyway at the end of next season. You know. Now, having said that, he could get traded somewhere and, and love it where he's at and then decide to stay there and then the Lakers lose out. So they have, it's it's a tough balance. And I know as soon as they got the number two pick, like, a bunch of teams, multiple teams, started calling the Lakers asking for D'Angelo Russell. Because they're all assuming that they're going to draft Lonzo Ball. And then that means, in these other teams' minds, that D'Angelo Russell is for sale. Now, me personally, I think they could play together. the end of the season, the Luke Walton, the Lakers front office, they decided to move Russell to the two guard. Um, to see how he handled it, they thought that might fit him better than playing point guard jordan clarkson ran a lot of point guard instead of him at the end of the season maybe some of that was in preparation because they knew they wanted to draft the point guard like lonzo ball and they wanted to see how russell would do at the two i think you could have a john wall bradley Beal type of backcourt if you put ball and russell together so i don't think they have to trade him unless they're just so high on paul george and and they can just they can move russell randall and like clarkson but then keep you know ingram and ball with with paul george and they think they got stuff to go for the future that that's gonna be the the million dollar question and i think this summer is gonna be filled with will they won't they talk when it comes to that paul george trade um yeah so does this mean gordon hayward's out of utah guys martin do you think this means gordon hayward's out well, of utah
2: here's my thought on on both of players i'll be quick about it um if you look at what Bob, what the Ringer printed in terms of Bobby Marks, who was apparently born to no cap rules, <laughs> the supermax deal would have made it a no-brainer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now the 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 difference is tangible. Whereas, like for each year that he signs or gets an extension, there's a good two million dollar difference to stay, and he loses two millions if he leaves. Right. With the supermax deal, I think it was like what five to seven million more. He got per year if he stayed. Yeah, so I think for Gordon Hayward, the call is a lot tougher than it is for Paul George, because Paul George isn't being shy and he's not being secretive. He practically you know almost put on a Lakers uniform w- with the Jimmy Kimmel interview. So yeah yeah <laughs> I, think, I think it's a tougher sell for every other ever NBA team to try to convince Paul George to go with them. I think you know the Lakers have it in the bag unless something incredibly unexpected happened. I think if Gordon Hayward likes where he is, you know, in terms of lifestyle and if he's content with the direction Utah's headed in, you know, they definitely want to keep him. Now, if he wants to to go somewhere else where he thinks he might make a difference, be it a Boston or any other team, that's a possibility. But... <sighs> I think without that hanging over his head where you go from driving a, you know, a Tesla or a Bentley to now you have to just drive a nice Cadillac, I think that that'll weigh heavily on his mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, Utah's definitely building something there as it stands. He he has enticing options to say the least. It's not a bad thing to be Gordon Hayward right now. But all this talk with Paul George going to the Lakers, wanting to go to the Lakers and how that's his destination, but also there's a chance that these other teams that want to win now can make a move for him. Um, Johan, do you think there's any pressure on the Lakers to trade for Paul George right now, or do you think they're in the driver's seat with that?
4: Um, I think the Lakers are still like in rebuild mode, so I don't think they're really going to try and push for it. Um, I think they will explore options, but I don't really think they'll they're going to push for Paul George. I mean, they have they have so many so much talent as it is already, and they're put, potentially going to get Levar Ball in the draft. So I don't really think they're rushing to get Paul George.
0: Did you mean Lonzo Ball or did you or did you mean Levar Ball? <laughs> I mean Levar Ball. <laughs> so Levar Ball, yes, okay. I mean it's a package deal right you can't get the son without the father right but yeah. I I I the biggest just, talk right now I know he is the biggest talk you know he runs his mouth he says a lot of crazy stuff I mean at the same time he kind of knows what he's doing because it looks like his son's going it's to what? Lakers like like he wanted all along so can't knock the hustle and
4: and the, and the shoes are selling on top of it
0: <laughs> who who saw that coming right <laughs> But, um, I ask you the same question, Leif. Do you think the the Lakers have pressure to trade for Paul George now, or are they in the driver's seat, and all they have to do is just count the days to the next off season, and he's he's going to fall into their lap, so to speak?
1: Well, I agree with everything that was said. they just they're in the driver's seat. Just wait. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't expect them to be super competitive right now and right now you have a young nucleus of players who are super talented and if you add paul george to that mix you're you're a playoff team Mm -hmm. and so give this team an opportunity to grow get used to one another and who knows maybe after working with this team you realize that you know what maybe we don't have to run out and run after that Paul George. Maybe there's another player who's going to add to this mix. You don't know. Right. So I don't I don't think adding – I think adding Paul George right now kind of messes up that dynamic that you have going. It'll kind of even get in the way of their training and their experience. So I wouldn't even mess with it. Let this team grow. You know, you're going to get Alonzo Ball. Let this team grow, get used to one another, and then add that star player and at that point then you're setting yourself up to be more competitive than you would be right now
0: yeah i i agree with you i i think that's the way to go i think the the best thing the lakers could do over this next uh, calendar year is to just let their young players develop the the best thing they could do is show paul george what these guys can do and and what he would be bringing to, a, to the table when he comes to the Lakers, or, you know, like you said, maybe they realize with the pieces they have, they need a different type of star than Paul George, and then they can look elsewhere, or maybe one of those guys hits a level where they're going to join the superstar conversation this season, and then then that's a different conversation, too. There's, there's so much time and Making that trade now doesn't make you a playoff team, like you guys were saying, and I agree you make that trade now. you don't become a playoff team just because you got paul george you 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 cut your nose off to spot your face in a way, and it would it would to me it would be worse than the mellow trade because I think you you gave up some nice young players, but you know ultimately they were role players to slightly above role, role players when Gallinari. Wilson Chandler, the guys they would have to give up for Paul George are, are potential stars and have shown flashes that they can be stars already. So I think you would be even giving up more of a future in a trade like that. So the best thing to do, I think, is wait, like you guys were saying. So that that's the that's the that's the spin with Paul George with uh, with Gordon Hayward, um, Anthony Davis. This is a big. It's a little too little too late, right? Because last year he needed that, that or was it two years ago, he needed to be on the All-NBA to get his his bonus, right? And he didn't get it. But maybe he can get a, a bigger max now that he's back on the All-NBA team. That's another guy. Um, any other thoughts you guys had on, on on this topic? Feel free to jump in. Nope. There you go. <laughs> well, all right, guys. It was great talking with all you guys. It was great chatting about the lottery, all NBA, about the playoffs. Uh, you know, Johan, thanks for joining the show tonight. First time thanks for on it. Me, man. Yeah, man. Got to come back on John Martin. As always, you're a welcome here. Come back anytime.
3: Absolutely, go Celtics.
0: Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um, Leif, as always. You know, it was good talking with you, good talking with everybody. For everyone listening, you can go catch this episode and all of our episodes on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, or you can go to the website, theslreporter.com. If you have any questions, any thoughts, comments you want to send our way, you know, hit us up on Twitter at theslreporter. You can hit us up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash thesidelinereporter. It's all one word. And, you know, if you like what you're hearing, give us a comment on SoundCloud. Give us a, a review on, on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing, guys. But we thank you for listening, and we thank all everybody for, for joining uh, on, the, on the mic tonight. And it was a good convo, convo and uh, I appreciated talking with all you guys today.